Everett's Bible. Good to have some friends with us tonight. Miss Carol and her family. And uh, praise the Lord. I appreciate them and appreciate you being here tonight so very, very much. Mark chapter 10. Very, very, very familiar story. And um, pray God uses it tonight to, to bless us. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Would you find your place to stand together one more time, please? And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now Jesus is already trying to help the young man with the next statement. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That is God. Now he's trying to help him. Right here with just that statement. Had the young man just got it, he could have been helped, but he didn't get it. Let's read on. Thou knowest the commandments. Now this is not the message, and I'm not going to keep you standing all night, but... I just want to point this out. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. All of those, if you know anything about the commandments, there's commandments that apply to us and God. Then there's commandments that apply to us and others around us. And what he's reading here is the commandments... To one another, keeping commandments to each other. Again, he's trying to help this young man. He ain't getting it. A little slow, but he's trying to help him because if you can't keep these, you're probably going to struggle keeping those with the Lord. And so he comes and he's trying to help him. And the Bible says, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Again, I'm not going to keep you standing all night. Let me just do this. I'm ready to preach. Let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. Matthew, pray. All right. Amen. You be seated. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, Let me stop here. I love this statement, and for a long time I'd read that and I'd wonder, why in the world did Jesus stop right in the middle of a statement and give a dogmatic statement and say, I want you to know. I love this young man. We, he didn't have to. He didn't owe us anything. Why in the world did he do that? Why did he stop and say, I want you to know, I want you to know, without reservation, that I love this young man. And I believe there's a reason he did that. Because the next statement goes to such against the grain of your life and my life. 
if Jesus come to you, any one of us, said, listen, I want you to sell all that you have, take up your cross, and follow me. The next thing we would say, what? Or better yet, huh? Pardon me? Did I hear you mention Brother Watts? No, talking to you. If he came this tonight, pulled up beside you, and said, I want you to sell what you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me. Immediately we'd say, Wow, what kind of God's that? What I do to upset him? Why is he mad at me? Whatever it was, I didn't do it. Why is he, why is he, what kind of God would ask that of me? And so I believe the Lord knew that you and I, this would go such against the grain of who and what we are as we live and abide on this earth, that it would go against such the great, it would just be such a, a challenging statement. Our first, our first belief would be, man, he, Jesus just don't love me. He's, he must be angry with me. If he's going to ask that of me, he just doesn't love me. And I believe Jesus just stops and said, And behold, he loved him. And then he continued on the statement he's wanting to make. And he said, One thing thou likest. One thing thou likest. And he said unto him, Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. I believe that statement was such against the grain of everything you and I believe. That you and I live each and every day. And I believe it was such against the grain. The Lord just stopped in the sin revenue and said, and behold, he loved him. Wow. And the Bible says he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possession. With the help of God, I want to preach on. The one thing became his greatest thing. The one thing became his greatest thing. I know it's a very familiar text. I know it's a very familiar story. But I believe as we one more time look at this story, maybe God would allow us to look at it. And just maybe tonight, God would allow you to see your one thing that has become your greatest thing. I'm very mindful for some tonight that one thing that lives in this world, for that one thing is an addiction that has become the greatest thing.
For some, it is the thirst for power. It's become the one thing that has become the greatest thing. I'm, I'm very confident, even maybe some sitting here tonight, that the love of money, now don't miss this, money is a tangible object. And just, that, you be sure one thing, those of you who have been here many years, you'll know this, I ain't a bit afraid of talking about money. Money runs the economy of our world. It operates our economy. Now I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you a little, little great truth. If you ever get it, it'll change your life. As money operates this economy, faith operates God's economy on the same fashion. And if you want to tap in to God's economy, it's an exercise of faith. And so we find here was a young man, and he comes to Jesus. First of all, who is he? Who is he anyhow? Well, we know one thing, he's a very wealthy man. Bible says he's a rich young ruler. Second, we know he's a young man. Bible tells us, those two facts. Now, how much money he had, how much wealth he had, I don't know. I will say this. It was enough that everybody knew he was the rich, young man. Everybody knew that. There was something in his heart that desired religious matters. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't come hunting him. He come a seeking Jesus, amen. So there's something in his life, there's something that that is that has excited, something that has motivated, something in his heart. Had he heard someone talk about this eternal life that Jesus is offering, and he goes through the inventory of he's got the ladies' camels. I mean, with five-speed transmissions, he's got the latest, he's got the latest camel houses and horses and chariots. He's got the latest of everything. He's inventoried everything he has. But in all of his inventory, he cannot find eternal life. Perhaps he'd heard someone talk about the stories of Jesus. I will tell you this much. He's seeking it. He's looking for it. He's desiring it. He's wanting it. By the way, perhaps, perhaps he got to thinking about his 401k plan. Perhaps he got to thinking about his future. And he had all the money, had his youth, had his strength. He had the wealth, he had everything. But he knew the day would come as it comes to all, that he would become a senior individual. And perhaps he thought, while I'm young, I've done God everything else took care of, while I'm young, let me go ahead and make plans and see if I can get eternal life. Wow! Perhaps, perhaps he thought... He'd got a hold of something 
that will allow him to skirt around the one thing that nobody skirts around. That is, it's appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. Maybe he thought, I can skirt around this. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, now we know something else about him. We know that he would have made a prime example of a disciple. You know why? Because as they checked him out, do you keep the commandments? Do you not kill? Do you not steal? Do you not do all those things? He said, I've kept all them from my youth. He said, my record's spotless. Just sign the certificate. He would have made an excellent, an excellent disciple. But his story has a dark ending. You know why? Because one thing had become his greatest thing. One thing. I love this. He had promise, had potential. It is amazing what God could have done with this young man. It is amazing what he could have been in life. Wow, he has everything except the one thing that has become the greatest thing. Boy, I love this. And the Bible says, and the Lord loved him. And I thought, well, why in the world? I I understand why Jesus may have said they loved him, but why in the world could Jesus do that? I just want you to know tonight, praise God, he sees past our faults. He saw this young man's potential. He saw what this young man could have done with his life. He saw what God had planned for this life. Isn't it amazing? He saw everything God had for him because he's God. And all of a sudden, but it's sad because his one thing become his greatest thing. But no something else. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us He went away sorrowful. Matthew tells us he was a young man. Luke tells us something. He was a ruler in a high religious class. Perhaps his money got him the position, but whatever got the position, he was a ruler. But notice something else. He was a young man who come to the service, heard from God, and yet left exactly the way He was when he came. Tonight, you know what's the saddest thing that happens in any church service? Where it's here or anywhere else. Is when you go to the house of God and God speaks to you and you leave exactly the way you was when you walked in the door. Because you didn't, God, God spoke, you, you, He didn't stutter, you know exactly what He said. I, I'm, I must confess, you love it when I confess anyway. Because the rest of you, bless, bless, bless God, you don't never confess. So I'll confess. God put something on my heart this, this past week. 
Matter of fact, last weekend, and I know I know you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't even admit to this. I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it. So I, said, I just didn't want to do it. But I'll, I'll tell you, after a week, and this message, I said, Lord, I don't want the one thing to ever become my greatest thing. I wonder tonight, what is it? Now he's excited about coming to Jesus. The Bible says he comes running all of a sudden. He can't wait. He's running to Jesus. Can I, he's doing this thing right. He even bows before Jesus. He's giving him the honor and the reverence. He's doing everything just right. But it's one thing has become his greatest thing. Who he was. Notice what he wanted. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now that's a really good question. But the error's in the question. What must I do? Can I stop here and say this? You cannot do anything to obtain eternal life. You get eternal life as a gift when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't work for it. You can't gain it. You can't purchase it. And I want you, it's a good question. But the truth was, he could do nothing to inherit eternal life. Now let me stop here and say, it's going to sound like God gives him something to do. That sounds like if he does this, he gets eternal life. You're missing it. Here's what Jesus is saying. I've got to remove the one thing that has become the greatest thing so you can have access to eternal life. Because see, something else was God and Lord on his heart. I wonder tonight, What's Lord of your heart? No, no, I didn't say what you want everybody to believe. I didn't say what you say to tell others that's Lord of your heart. I said, what's really Lord of your heart? And by the way, there's not enough room for two things on your heart. It's just one. And if Jesus is not there, something else is. Now, if Jesus is there, nothing else will be. Because they're just, they're just one seat inside the heart. What's that one thing that's become the greatest thing? Now the Lord asked him, said, Now it's the commandments I told you earlier. All of a sudden, God's dealing with him. Don't commit adultery, don't kill, do not steal, not bear false witness, defraud, not honor father and mother. And he said to him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now the Lord can deal with him. Now the Lord brings him to a place. The Lord set him up. Because he said, I've kept all these from my youth up. Okay, Jesus said, let's see. Because he said, there's one commandment that you've not kept. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God 
with all thy soul, with all thy heart, and with all thy might. The second one's just like it. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what's happening. He comes to him and he says, One thing thou likest. Now I'm going to tell you what that is. But before we get there, there's one thing that has become greatest thing in your life. And we've got to just move it out of the way. And Jesus says, Take what you have, all that you have. Sell it, give it to the poor, and take up your cross. Your cross. And follow me. I love this. The Bible tells him, he said, now I'm going to give you treasures that's greater. In 2 Chronicles 25, 9, there's a king and he has hired these, all these armies. And he's hired this elite force to come and help him fight. I mean, they are the baddest of the bad. And they're paid. As a matter of fact, he paid them a hundred talents. I don't know how much that is, but it's a lot of money. But the Lord showed up and said, Listen, if you go up there to fight them, you're going to lose this battle. He said, I don't want you to go up there and fight this battle. You'll lose it. He said, I'll fight this battle for you. And listen what uh, Amaziah said to the man of God. But what shall I do for the hundred talents which I've given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe that? Be careful before you answer it. God might slip up beside of you and say, Okay, give me everything you got. Sell everything. Sell everything you have. I was listening to a preacher this week. And uh, well-known preachers across this country. He said he was in a meeting one night. He's there preaching away a message much like this. He said, halfway through the message, he said, God knows my heart. I had $231.80 in the bank. And he said, God said, uh, uh, Luke, do you believe what you're preaching? He's, he's a preacher now. And in his mind, he said, why sure, God, I do. He said, okay. He said, there's a couple right back about center ways of the church. They need that $230.80. Don't forget the 80 cents. He said he sat down and he wrote out. And he said, I'm telling you, the rest of that message, me and, he said, I'm trying to preach and me and God's arguing behind the pulpit. How many of you ever argue with God? Boy, I have. He's arguing with God and finally he just decided, he said, God, whatever you want, I surrendered a long time ago. Everything I've got yours anyhow. And he did. Now listen, the story don't end right there. Then he went home and uh, he, went, he went to the next meeting and literally he said, I'd spend everything, bank accounts empty. He said, a man walked up and said, Brother, I need to do something. He said, God just told me to give this to you. Give him $100 before he left that meeting. He said he had three, three $100 bills. He said he's a driving home and God said, Listen, you just need to be on the road and you need to be traveling. You need to be preaching. 
He said, God, that'd be okay, but you forgot, you forgot something. I don't have a truck. I don't have a camper. I don't have a way to get my family. I don't have nothing. He said, well, won't you just trust me? He said, now go down tomorrow and pick out the one you want. So he goes down, 35-foot trailer, fifth wheel. And the man said, okay, how much money you want to put down? He said, I'm going to give you $100, and you hold it for two weeks. He said, well, how much money have you got? He said, I'll give you $100. I'll just hold it for me for two weeks. He said, sir, how much money have you got? He said, I got $100. And he said, he, that man said, sir, you're crazy. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to take your $100, and I'll hold it for you for two weeks, but if you don't come back and get it, I'm going to keep you $100. He said, that's a deal. That's a deal. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but before that two weeks is over, a man at a, at, a, at, a, at a dealership called him and said, Brother, what are you doing? He said, Well, I'm here playing. He said, I need you to come to my office, bought him a new truck, and he took the new truck to go down, tell the man, and bless God, I can't, God just didn't come through on the trailer right now, but he probably will later. And the man said, listen, my God, if he can buy you a truck, I'll buy you a trailer. And, and you say, but preacher, God doesn't do that. Now, I've had people sit in this congregation, get fine mad at me. You know why? Because one thing become the greatest thing. And they didn't believe God could do stuff like that. By the way, many of you don't believe God does stuff like that. Truth of the matter is, God does stuff like that all the time. Here's a man. Here's a young man. Not listen. He 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 could he he said sell everything. Now listen, selling everything doesn't make you a Christian. Giving to the poor does not save a sinner. Following Jesus of itself does not save a sinner. You can be religious. Judas done all of that. Why he didn't steal the thief. Judas proved that you can be religious and yet not do anything. Here was a young man who had to understand God was wanting the one thing that had become his greatest thing. I find this. Oh, what a, when Jesus built and loved him. Now, I'm not going to go there again tonight. Boy, what a good. Boy, let me just say this. The Bible says he looked at him. One thing thou lackest. And, and I've been so intrigued with that because you know what? That's usually where we're at tonight. It's usually not ten things. The truth is, it's usually just one thing. I wonder tonight, what's your one thing that's become your greatest thing? Is it unbelief? As a matter of fact, that becomes so big in the Lord's hometown that He could not do any great works there. Matter of fact, he stopped working in that town altogether because of their unbelief. What is the one thing that has become your biggest thing? Well, several months ago, there was one thing in our home 
that it, be, it becomes so much a part of our life that we just had to end it. Just had to cut it off. Because it becomes so much, so time consumes so much. But I wonder what's the one thing, maybe the one thing that's become great, your greatest thing is yourself. Paul said, the old man's got to die daily. For some, it's your pleasure. I know how I thought, I don't care what. Whatever it is. I wonder, the Bible says, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Here's what he said. I've got something that's better than everything you have. He was a young man, and God just cut through every bit of that and said, let's talk about the one thing. That's become your greatest thing. Go and sell. Not give it away. Sell and then give. If Jesus had been talking to Nicodemus instead of the rich young ruler, he would have said, get rid of your fear of the opinion of the Pharisees. Would have been his one thing. That's greater than anything. Had he been talking to Herod instead of the rich young ruler, he would have said, put away your brother Philip's wife. Because that one thing had become his greatest thing. Had he been talking to King Agrippa, he would have said, instead of being almost persuaded, you should be fully persuaded to give your life to me. Had he been talking to Pontius Pilate, he would have said, stop washing your hands and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. See, he was riches that stood between the rich young ruler And Jesus Christ, he was aware of his, he was unaware of his own thoughts. As a matter of fact, had Jesus come and said, listen, young man, I tell you what, let's do, let's me and you make a deal. You just do part of it. And he said, I'll tell you what, do said, you'll just do part of it. This young man, he said, listen, I need three-fourths of what you've got. And you, I, I believe this young man would have gladly done it. But you know what? It wasn't the money. It wasn't none of that. It was the one thing that had become his greatest thing. Tonight, and the Bible says, he walked away. And the tragedy is, he came to Jesus. He come looking for something. Like you came to church tonight. Thank you for being here. You're in the house of God. Surely you come looking for something. But the question is, will you leave glad, sad, or mad? Here was a group. Here he was. Some leave glad, praise God. Acts chapter 3, the man at the gate called beautiful. Hallelujah. He left glad because his one thing being a cripple was no longer his greatest thing. You realize tonight, you realize tonight, you can have a sickness and it become your one thing that becomes your greatest thing. 
can become a victim. You can become, you can become so, so enamored, so caught out such a comfort zone. And, and trust me, don't, no matter what, if Jesus comes, will I be made whole? No, thank you, Jesus. Be okay. Could you throw some more in the hole? Could you do something else for me? But the truth is, they really don't want to be healed. The one thing, some left mad. Cain did in Genesis chapter 4. And then some left bad. Luke 18, the Pharisees and the publican, he Pharisee went left bad. And then some left sad. Because any time God speaks. Now, listen. Most of, look at me now. Most of you have been in this church long enough. You know when God speaks. Let's not, let's not play like we don't know what that is. How many of you sat in this church and God spoke into your heart? Many has mine. Many times. Let's not act like we don't know what that is. And the truth of the matter is, the question is, did you leave sad because the one thing that had become the most important thing, the greatest thing? Well, I'm amazed at this. And the Bible says he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. Why? Because he had great possession. One moment he ran courageously to meet Jesus and knelt at his feet. And then the next minute he left. He literally, the next minute, he's slowly getting up off his knees and he's walking away. He did not doubt that Jesus knew the way to eternal life. He was just not willing to pay the price. He has never imagined that his riches or his trust in riches stood between him and eternal life. Isn't it amazing? It was not Jesus who failed. By, by the way, let me stop here and say this. Stop, good man, stop! Let's talk about it. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't change the message. Jesus didn't water down the message. I know the message is not... Uh, a lot of people don't want the message anymore. I understand that. He didn't water down the message. He didn't change the message. He didn't alter it for this young man. And this young man went away sorrowful. And Jesus led him because... He wasn't because hey, did Jesus love him? Oh yeah, he told you he did. Remember? And maybe that's the reason he said, Behold, he loved him. Because he knew you and I would say, Didn't Jesus love him? Why didn't he run him down? Because he had given him a truth. And Jesus deals in truth. And let me say this. God will not play, let's make a deal with any of us here tonight. When we know a truth, we're accountable. So, he kept some of the commandments. He bent his knees, but not his will. He bowed his head, but not his heart. He wanted heavenly treasures, but he couldn't give up the earthly treasures. And the young man went away sorrowful. I'm sure he would have prayed 
a prayer if Jesus had given him one to pray. I'm sure he would have made a decision if Christ had given him a decision to make. I'm sure he would have agreed to some terms Jesus had given him on some agreeable terms. But Jesus never gave him a prayer, never asked him to make a decision. Jesus never calls for a commitment. He said, let's mean you talk about the one thing that has become your greatest thing. I stand before you tonight with the help of God. I don't want one thing or anything stand become the greatest thing that stands between me and my God. The one thing. Now look up this way. Got just one question. Take my glasses off so I can see. Got my glasses on. I can't see past Darlene. Thanks, see you now. What is, what is the one thing? Down through, down through my Christian life, there's been many one things that God's asked me for. When I was a young man, I loved the fire department. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I don't know if I've had any more fun doing anything or enjoyed anything. You know, something not right about run, wanting to run into a burning house, but I loved it. I loved it. But I remember the day Jesus said, Do you love me more than you love that? Oh, but Jesus, I sure love the fire department. I was good at it too. I loved it. But do you love me more than you love the fire department? Yes, Lord, I sure do. He said, good, because I want it. Do I still miss it? Yeah. And I think I'd still be as good a fireman as, as anyone I've ever met. I still like to do it. I, I still remember how to do it. I still like fire trucks and ambulances. I, I like that stuff. But you know, that's, that was for me. Now, I said that's for you. Probably not, but for me. I remember the day when God said, do you love me more than you love that job? Oh, but God, I, I really like that job. And I did. I loved that job. I loved working. I, I just loved it. God said, do you love me more than you love that? Yeah, Lord, I sure do. Good, good. Because that's, I want that. I want that. And that's just, the list goes on and on. Because I don't want one thing to ever become the rest of it. I wonder tonight, could your one thing be your pride? I've seen this happen once. It's in a meeting. I've seen a fella get out of the back pew and crawl to the front. I watched that. And I couldn't help but think, why you quit God in church if your pride felt somebody embarrassed you? Why, some of you are so proud that you don't want anybody to know you're a Christian. 
I want the one thing. The one thing. Maybe it is the love of money. Bible says it's the love of money. There's nothing wrong with money. It's just a tangible object. The love of money is the root of all evil. And the Bible says many pierce their hearts through with it. Like taking the arrows and just driving it through your heart. Is that your one thing? That's become your greatest thing? Is it? I'm just trying to help you tonight because I don't want you one thing to keep you from giving God being your one thing and your greatest thing. Salt Rock Baptist Church, he needs to be the one thing and the greatest thing. So I'll stand to your feet. Every head bowed and eye closed.